Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the President, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name for our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles and they are not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are lords many and there are gods many. But we now know that each lord must have a name and each god must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits, and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, 
everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, 
with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class, and we'll have a scripture read, which will be 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, and that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. May we all bow our hearts and minds. We want to thank our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, for bringing us together one more time. We're very appreciative of what Yahweh you have done for us by taking us out of the world, sitting us down and teaching us about yourself and about your son, Yahshua the Messiah. We're so grateful that you have done this. By your mercy and by your grace, we are all in this together. And we're so appreciative of where we sit and where we stand. We just want to ask you to continue to strengthen us in these last days and to continue to teach us the true and correct gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. We're so grateful that we have this straight and that we're continuing and endeavoring to teach it properly. We just uh, have such great thanks and gratitude in our hearts. And we just want to magnify you. And we ask that you continue to magnify yourself in us and just continue to teach us the things that we need to know in these last days. And all these things we want to thank you for and ask you for. In the name of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say. Hallelujah. Good evening, class. Tonight I'll be reading 2 Corinthians 11th chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by the late A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Would that ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed you ye do bear with me. For I am zealous over you with a zeal for Yahweh. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to the Messiah. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in the Messiah. For if he that cometh preacheth another Messiah, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with me. For I reckon I was not a wit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. 
Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of Yahshua freely. I robbed other assemblies, taking wages of them to do you service. When I was present with you and was in need, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so I will keep myself. As the truth of the Messiah is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not, Yahweh knoweth. But what I do that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of the Messiah. And no marvel, for Satan transformeth himself into an angel of light. There is Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak not according to Yahweh, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. For if ye suffer, if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of the Messiah? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the assemblies, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. If these 
If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. The Almighty Father of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, which is blessed forevermore, know that I not, lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Artus, the king, kept the city of Damascus with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. In a basket through a window, I was let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Second Corinthians, 11th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And our scripture readers this evening will be Dr. Sharon Welch from our Syracuse class and Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class. We'll be having a three-speaker format this afternoon, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker this afternoon will be Dr. Lionel Von Monsu from our Hamilton Canada class. <clears throat> well, good, good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and um, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we have to be very grateful and mindful of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and respectful of the blessings we've received because we're not worthy of any of the things we've received. Um, you know, there's nothing that I could do or you could do. And just look at Saul there. He went through all of those things, the shipwrecks, the stripes, the beatings, the challenges that he received at the hands of the countrymen and of the Jews themselves and all of those things, his focus is really to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to preach the gospel continually and with all of his vigor and all of the things that he is made up of, which is that Holy Spirit, after he had received um, the Holy Spirit, after he was converted and started on the road to Damascus, okay, so... Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Let's go over to uh, uh, Acts. We'll start at, uh, what is it, the ninth chapter, perhaps. Let's flip around here. Yep, 9 and 1, please. Acts 9 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of Yahweh, went unto the high priest. That's the same guy we just wrote that just wrote the second Corinth the the book of the second Corinthians, which is a letter. We just picked it up at a certain point in that book, which just happened to be the the eleventh uh, eleventh chapter. But that's really broken into chapters and verse after the fact. But it's one continuous letter, just glancing into that story. But there's Saul; he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of Yahshua the Messiah. Okay, read on. And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Yeah, that he's going to bring, he's looking for people to bring them bound. He's going after those disciples of Yahshua the Messiah. Well, why would they go after the Messiah? Isn't he supposed to be, um, you know, there for the purpose and the Jews were looking for their Messiah for so long? But wait. You know, they crucified him back there, If you, as you see on the bottom right-hand side of the chart, right? But that was all really in fulfillment of Yahweh's purpose and plan, as he said before. He spoke it, and it came to be. And when the word went forth, it was set in motion that these things had to happen. And for him, or for them, sorry, he's a stumbling block. 
they can't get over the fact that they crucified the Messiah. How could that possibly be? Right? The one they're looking for, they crucified him. And hence, they still wait for him, still looking for him. Meanwhile, he's come and he's taken out of those, those carnal ordinances and the Mosaic law that was opposed upon them, that was contrary to them, which the, all those laws they could not keep. To, and those are all works-based and works are out. Now, there is works that's mentioned here by Saul in the scripture lesson, but that's not works of washings and baptisms and suppers. That's the works of taking the gospel and go traveling out and about to preach that gospel. And that does also take effort and diligence and steadfastness to keep what he had received straight, which is really that spirit working and speaking through him. Okay. Whether men or women, they're going to bring them down to Jerusalem. Okay. Verse three. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. Yeah, he's starting to have a vision, right? Or a vision is about to occur that's here. It's not something that he wished for and sat underneath a tree on a sunny afternoon and thought, wow, what great things can I do today? No, these are this is Yahweh's will being worked upon the vessels that Yahweh has chosen and works with them continually to accomplish his will, not our will. It's always his will. Our will, we we get ourselves in trouble so quickly when we think that we have our own will or try and do those kinds of things. But he's always going to accomplish that which he wishes to do with his vessels. Okay, read on. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Yeah, keep going. And he said, who art thou, master? And Yahshua said, I am Yahshua, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he asks a really important question. Who art thou? Right. As the founder stressed and, and through the various lectures of the other ministers who the founder's message of the vision went forth, they always stress upon you. You've got to know who's speaking to who and what and when. Right. Who is it? That's speaking to him that, you know, he had letters from the chief priests and so forth and the scribes and Pharisees to go out and punish those, those uh, disciples of Yahshua. So he had his paperwork. He wasn't doing it of his own volition and the same understanding is operating himself that now that he's there on the ground with the vision that's taking place before him, he wants to know who is it? Who art thou sire? And it's Yahshua that said unto him. He's not going to say Jesus because there's no J in the Hebrew tongue, right? To this day, and as much as um, it's it's easy to just say that, it's important for the viewers, not just today, but down the road, or if you pick this up at some other point in time, to go flip open your dictionary and look at the big, look at the letter J and see when it came into the English language, and when you. Or you go Google back and you pull up some excerpts from the 1611 King James Version of the Bible, and you're not going to see a J in there either. Well, how could that be? It's just another witness pointing to you that that is not Jesus back there. That's Yahshua. Okay? And he needs, you know, verse 6. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Master, what will thou have me to do? And Yahshua said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. What you're going to do, right? He's asking, you know, what the mission is, right? It's Yahshua the Messiah speaking to him and giving him that message. What am I going to do, right? <clears throat> now, Yahweh can take on various manifestations, but it's still the one Yahweh in various manifestations between the uh, 
Uh, you go to the name chart for a second. You know, there you go. You've got, <clears throat> he's there in, in the uh, eternal or the, the, the spirit, right? And he's taken on the visionary shape and form as Elohim. And he's taken on, then coming on down in the earth plane and walking around as Yahshua the Messiah, the Holy Spirit, and, and accomplishing his will through all the things that, he, that he's going to uh, will to accomplish in the different ages and dispensations because there's different things that are in order. And of course, the men that are around him uh, arose and, okay, and he had to go into the city. Jump down to verse uh, verse 11. Arise, Yahshua said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Yeah, he's telling where to go and what to do, right? We don't. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Yeah. Then Ananias answered, Master, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the sons at Jerusalem. So this man that, that Saul is going to be sent to go see or is going to go seek out Saul is knows about Saul and his reputation. What would the, he's got a bad report, as it were. Look at all, look what he's done to the sons of the sons of, of Yahweh there, that he's wasted them and caused them much harm over the uh, over the age and dispensations or over that time period, trying to persecute him because Saul had a zeal for Yahweh prior to his conversion based on the Mosaic law, but those things were set in time for a, for a place in time to point out the Messiah. When the Messiah is on the scene and he comes all in fulfillment, now there has been a change in operating procedure, as it were, and those that law is out, and those disciples were, were falling around Yahshua Messiah. You know, they had nowhere else to go, and they saw him that they were Looking for, as you go back into John 1 and 59, you know, Philip findeth Nathaniel. We found, I think that's where that is, but you don't need to pick it up at this time. But we found him that's written about in the law and the prophets, right? And the scriptures that he's spoken of beforehand. And then when he comes on the scene, it's it's a fulfillment that Yahweh's promise isn't going to be uh, cast aside or not come to be. You know, he sets it forth. He gives you the witnesses. So when he comes on the scene, the people of the day can go back into those witnesses if it's pressed upon them or put upon them to do that, to go investigate and see that it is so. Okay. So we'll come back to that in a second. But um, he's, Ananias is concerned. This guy's done a lot of evil, man. Why do I, why do I want to go see this guy? Okay. He's 14. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. Yep. And those are but, all the physical powers of the day, right? He had great fear for those physical powers, right? As we, as it's very easy that we have concern, we don't want to be reckless in anything we do, but the physical powers are great, but, but none greater is Yahweh who works his will. Okay. Read on. But Yahshua said unto him, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Yeah, he's a chosen vessel by the people. Absolutely not. The Jews had crucified him. They had a choice of, of crucifying Yahshua or, or, or Barnaba, and they let the, based on the law of the scapegoat goat, they wanted the, the murderer or so forth, or the, the criminal to be set free. They wanted to have Yahshua Messiah. So it's they didn't choose him, but, but Yah, Yahshua, 
has chosen, um, chooses, sorry, Yahweh's choosing, I messed that up, but um, Yahweh's choosing the ones that he wishes, basically, right? You know, just like he chose Saul here to go through the things that he has to go through and um, and cause that conversion. If you go to the green chart for a second. And he's going there as a chosen vessel unto Yahweh, you know, to to bear to bear his name before the nations. So if you look there at the metamorphosis in the middle of the chart, you see that caterpillar there, that egg, it comes a, a larva, a pupa, right, and goes to chrysalis. But there's that transition, right? Earthbound, and that's you know that's the transition that Saul is going through from being earthbound, tied to the law having a zeal for Yahweh based on what was given. But then there's that change that comes place where he has that freedom and that liberation through that Holy Spirit that's giving him a vision on the road to Damascus and then filling him with the Holy Spirit in as directed as he's going through the steps we're reading about now. And then when he is free of that law of sin and death and that bondage, he's then able to be airborne and be free, you know, of, this, of those the law of sin and death, and how is he going to worship Yahweh in spirit and truth, right? Not through works anymore, but through that divine liberty that comes to that Holy Spirit, okay? And he sent there, Saul has been chosen to bear the name of Yahshua before the people. The people had a problem. They, they were putting down the name of Yahweh, they, and you read through the Old Testament over and over again. They forgot forgot Yahweh. They forsook Yahweh. They, they turned aside from him over and over and over again, and those prophets continually warned and warned and warned all those vessels that came across hey you know what <laughs> there's Yahweh and there's none else and you're gonna pay a heavy price for your disrespecting or not following the law or falling getting involved in all kinds of other things that are counter to Yahweh's wishes okay and he's gonna preach his name the name of Yahshua the Messiah before nations, kings and children of Israel that's before and then Saul after the revelation and the Holy Spirit being poured out into him what does he do? He goes as the spirit gives him dictates and, and utterance and the spirit tells him what to say, tells him what to write, tells him where to go, how to go about it, provides him deliverance and salvation through all of those things. And you read about that in the scripture lesson with the shipwrecks, with the beatings and, and the, 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 the torture, the ill treatment, all of those things that Yahweh, through Yahshua the Messiah, the Holy Spirit has provided him salvation, deliverance from all those things. Okay, verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, yes, that's right. And, you, you know, when you look in either Matthew or uh, 24 or John 14, you know, Yahshua the Messiah tells his disciples that, listen, you're going to be hated for his name's sake, the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Why? Because that name speaks of the power of Yahweh, which Yahweh is salvation. And he's still done that all along, you know, saved through childbearing back in the garden. If the ark, you know, saved those eight souls on the ark, you know, saved and brought out of the wicked age where people were doing nothing but evil continually. Saved from their sins back there in the Mosaic law that they had a, all these statutes before them, that they had a way of escape from the, 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 the death and the challenge that, this, that they had over and over. And it brought them through the Red Sea, right? You know, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. All along the line, he's doing those things. You know, he had to suffer those things again as another witness of that power of that name of Yahshua Messiah. Okay, he went right down, he, he got together with Saul. Um, well, let's read on, please. A little bit 17, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, 
brother Saul, Yahweh Elohim, even Yahshua, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. So, so Ananias is being obedient, right? You know, that's Yahweh tells you, boy, he had his he had his uh, trepidation about going to visit Saul. You know, what are you talking about? But no, he's going to be faithful and follow what Yahweh's will was to have him go visit Saul. Okay, read on. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it, as it had been scales, and he received sight and arose and was baptized. Yeah. Now, baptized what? Now, now baptism is fulfilled now. It's immersed, right? He's immersed in that Holy Spirit in, in the mm-hmm. names, right? Before, when he was persecuting the assembly of Yahshua the Messiah, he's not, he's, not, <laughs> he's not preaching the name of Yahshua there back there. He's going off that Mosaic law, beating on the people. But now he's being immersed in that name, immersed in the Holy Spirit, right? As John said, one's going to, you know, I, as John said in Matthew 3, I think it is, I indeed mercy with water, but what cometh after me, mercy with fire and with the Holy Spirit, right? Water's mm-hmm. done. That's taken care of. That's out of the way now. He's immersed in the Holy Spirit. Okay, 19. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples who were at Damascus. Yep, because there's disciples here, there, and everywhere scattered, right? Scattering going on. Verse 20. And immediately he, he preached Yahshua in the synagogues that he is the son of Yahweh. Yep, and when he when he uh, be strengthened, got to have that food. And, you know, tarry with the disciples there that were in Damascus. And when that's ready, when you are all nourished up and you're prepared, what's he going to do? Take off on his own and go on a road trip or, or hiking somewhere to do his own thing? No, he's going to go straight way to preach Yahshua the Messiah to the people. That is the mission that's upon him. That's the He's a prisoner, as you can read about. Well, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Okay, I'm, I'm done with Acts 9 there. Um Ephesians 4 and start at 1. Because he's changed now. He went straight away preaching Yahshua the Messiah. And, and he did that right to the very end. And it's the same thing that you and I need to do once we've come into this teaching. Learned about Yahweh's purpose and plan. Sure, we could be presented all the information and details and investigate ourselves at the end of the day. That's great. And you can believe all kinds of things. At the end of the day, the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah needs to come unto you and take up residence in you. Nothing you can do. You got to do the effort to study and look up at those things, but you can't be a recipient of the Holy Spirit unless it's given to you through grace and mercy. You know, there's lots of people that believe lots of things, but, you know, it has to become a part of you, and becoming a part of you is nothing that you can do. Okay, Uh, you have the Ephesians 4 and 1. Ephesians 4 and 1. I therefore... The prisoner of Yahshua, beseech ye that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Before, he was a prisoner to the chief priests and, and, and the scribes and so forth with the zeal for the law and none finer and, and circumcised in the eighth day and, and all of those things you can read about the book, Raised the Feet of Gamaliel. He had a tremendous zeal. He was prisoner to what he thought was right at the time. But when the time had changed and Yahshua, you know, the whole Yahshua took up residence in that vessel. Now he's a prisoner of, of Yahshua the Messiah or prisoner of Yahweh. And he has to do nothing else but preach that gospel. Read on. Mm-hmm. With all lowliness and be- meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring, that requires some effort to keep the peace and the love. And when people don't understand each other or get confused or people that are there, you know, um, you know, in the, in the same assembly, you know, they have to work together and explain things. And that's what all of these letters are through Corinthians and Ephesians, Galatians. These are letters to what, everybody? No, no, these are letters to the sons of Yahweh. And he's going about correcting the sons of Yahweh that should know better, which we all should know better. And we all have to take corrections sometimes and, 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 and oftentimes because none of us are perfect. None of us know everything. And these letters are a constant reminder to keep the people focused on what Yahweh, what thus saith Yahweh and what the purpose was is to preach the gospel where Yahshua Messiah did die, bury, resurrect again, according to what the scriptures and all that death burial is, you don't just stop at the cross. Like the whole church world is out there with all the crosses in their buildings. You got to get past the cross because that's fulfillment. When he died, buried, he's coming up, resurrected a quickening spirit. And it's a quickening spirit that takes you up to pen, up towards Pentecost 50th day. And what happens? They were gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem. Did they decide to, hey, guys, let's get together. Let's give each other the Holy Spirit. Let's write our own decree. No, they were in the upper room in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and took up residence in them. Right. And then they are all changed, and they, they become prisoners as well, that all they can do is what that Spirit gives utterance for them to do, to preach that gospel. And as, as they preach the gospel, many were added to the fold as they went along. And day of Pentecost, you know, it came seven years later to the Gentiles. And lo and behold, it's still going on to those that the gospel is preached unto, which the Holy Spirit is, is, is enacting on the individual, not the preacher, the teacher, and so forth. The things need to be taught and explained, but it's that Holy Spirit that causes that change. Just like when Peter was in Cornelius's house there in Acts, the 10th chapter, it's not <clears throat> all Peter's doing. You know, he's with the Gentiles, he said, listen, Yahweh's not a respecter of persons. And he went on to preach Yahshua Messiah, the death, burial, resurrection. And while he's doing that, the Holy Spirit was poured out on those, on those vessels that were there in that room. It wasn't anything that Peter did. He's just given the discourse. He's given what he is being assured of, what he's come to know and see, how the Spirit gave utterance unto him to speak. That's how that that reads as you check it out yourself in the 10th chapter 10th chapter of Acts. It's not like he reached into a vial and gave everyone the Holy Spirit because there isn't such a vial. Okay, read on in uh, Acts 4 or Ephesians 4. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one body, one spirit, just like the, the scripture lesson talked about many false evangelists and all these other different things and false messiahs and false disciples and so forth. We have to be discerners of the spirit and truth. And how do you do that? You have to go back and utilize the tools we have, which is what? The witnesses. The witnesses aren't going to, aren't there to, the witnesses that we have aren't there to speak of their personal opinion. They're speak what thus saith Yahweh, right? <laughs> the whole world is confused by certain events they watch on TV and they're not sure what they are really seeing because they're allowing their, their, their personal slant on the matter versus looking at the facts for what they are. And we, too, also need to focus on what the facts of what they are. What does the book show? What does nature show? As you, you know, obviously, Romans 1, 19 and 20 tells you that, that those things we may manifest and so on. Okay. Um, go over to uh, uh, 
go over to the 13th, 13th verse in the fourth chapter of Acts, or Ephesians, sorry. Ephesians 4.13. So we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of Yahweh unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah. Yeah, and that's why before that, you know, if you read up, obviously, you know, at your own leisure, because time-wise, not that I'm complaining, just, you know, it's important to move along as best you can. But some people are apostles and ministers and evangelists and, and all kinds of different, had different talents. And those talents were given to what? Preach the gospel to help those people come to the unity of the faith, which is all occurring through what? The spirit of Yahshua the Messiah, right? We all have different talents and skills. So if you go to the Moses church for a second. And those talents or skills in the in the workplace can help us get good jobs or help our 401k if you're American or uh, RSP and if you're Canadian or whatever country you have where there's free retirement. That those things provide in the earthly world to a tremendous benefit. And those things are great. But any gifts that you and I have, whether it's being a good reader, singer, scripture caller or, you know, speaker, whatever else it is, those gifts are all really unto the glorifying of Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. Because when you go down to the children of Egypt down there, they left with great substance. They left with their kneading board on the back. They had to be ready to go, but they took with them some of the gold, silver, raiment from the Egyptians and so forth. So that's the, the gifts or the talents in some ways that they are, the gifts or commodities they had down in Egypt. And it, yeah, you know, brought them, Yahweh brought them to the Red Sea, you know, stand still and see salvation Yahweh in there in the wilderness with all this stuff. It's like, wow, look at our great possessions we have. Look how rich we are. When Look how many gifts we have. Well, those gifts aren't really for themselves. They're really for building that tabernacle so that Yahweh may dwell among them, right? And it's the same thing for you and I when you look at that pattern, which tells our picture that any of the talents that we have, maybe some people write really well. Well, you know, that's great, but your writing could be used for preaching the gospel, or if you speak really well, well, then use that for preaching the gospel, or you explain things really well, then, or your research, really, it's all about focusing on Yahshua Messiah. If you go to the uh, um, apostasy plate on the elementary chart, it'd be great. And then we'll go to Galatians 4, and uh, read verse 14 in Ephesians 4. Because it would come the fullness of this, come the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah, there's a colon there, it means explanation coming, coming about. Read on. Ephesians 4.14. Thank you. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Once you have the Messiah or the Messiah, has you, you're no longer tossed to and fro. You're no longer, you know, stuck with dealing with the, every wind of doctrine and, oh, I got to hear something new. It's years. At the end of the day, you know, I, I had great pleasure returning to the Hamilton class many years ago in 2001 or so after being a kid in class and wandered off to, to I don't know, try and build some kind of a life or career and that kind of junk or whatever else. And when I came back in, I saw Dr. Channer and I saw some of the other vessels there. It's like, wow. And, and, you know, going over the Moses chart, going over those things, it was like comfort food and reassuring to hear the same thing that I heard when I was a kid, when I came back into class and said, wow, how beautiful it was to focus on those things and those principles that, that are, have tremendous examples and, and input on keeping things straight and that soundness, because all of that has the witnesses. Yeah. Okay, read on, 15. 
Five minutes, Dr. Van Manso. Thank you very much. For Dave. Sorry. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even the Messiah. The body of Yahshua Messiah, where are, are to be in the Messiah, right? And when you go over to the Ephesians, the first chapter, verse, verse uh, uh, 9. Ephesians 1, 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Purposed inside himself. Now, you can't get outside of Yahweh. You can't get outside of Yahweh Elohim. You can't get outside of Yahshua Messiah either, really. You know, as much as that's the Holy Spirit, you can't get outside of any of those things. He's purposed it right from the very beginning, and he's pointing out before our very eyes. And we are we are witnesses to it and participants to some degree in it as he decides to move his pieces around. You know, I'm, I'm not much of anything. I'm just some guy. And at the end of the day, whatever he wishes to do with me, you know, I'd be exceedingly grateful if it helps to preach the gospel. But read on, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all oh, see, things. Uh, sorry, sorry, cut you off. I'm sorry, it's rude of me. He's going to gather together all things in one. Read on. All things in Yahshua, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Yep, in one, in the Messiah, in heaven, and in him. All those things are in, 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 not out, out, out. We're in. He's supposed to be in the Messiah, right? Now, you can't get in the Messiah like you're going to, you know, break in, you know, when you think of that in John 10 or so, or the, the talk about the tabernacle, the, you know, the sheep and, you know, and stay in the holy place and stuff. But you don't want to come in. The only way into that holy place is through Yash, the Messiah. Galatians uh, 1, please. And uh, I know i got a couple seconds left or whatever. And uh, go to Galatians 1 and uh, uh, 6. Again, this is a letter written to the sons, the sons that are supposed to be the Messiah. Okay. Galatians 1 and 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of the Messiah onto another gospel. Yeah, and there's a colon there. So he marvels that, that those sons that are supposed to be in this gospel have gone away somewhere else. Mm -hmm. How could it be? You know? When someone, when we came into this school, you know, or, or come across some of you folks have different testimonies and stuff like that, how you came into school, but somebody took the time, Bobby Zakowski took the time to, to, to explain to Carl about the tabernacle on a matchbook cover or to Diane and, 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 and Bobby explained those things and stuff like that. Well, that was the spirit working with Bobby to explain those things unto them. And, and at the end of the day, were they followers of Bobby? No. They were followers of Yahshua the Messiah and focused on him only. They learned from him those different things. So somebody else out there may have heard it from somebody else, right? My father, you know, heard the gospel through Billy Carroll and Rod Channer and, and so on. But you don't want to follow the vessel that taught you. You want to follow the spirit that's teaching that vessel that taught you. And some people get caught up in following, well, so-and-so brought me into this gospel and explained the truth, but then they've gone on a detour. And you follow the person that's on the detour. I'm not saying that Bobby was on detour. Just an example of how I explain things and stuff, or that Rod went on a detour or anything like that. But you don't want to follow the, the individual that brought you out of here. You want to follow the spirit that's leading you wherever you go. He's marveling that some people are so soon following another evangel, which is not another evangel. Verse 7. Mm -hmm. Which is not another but there be some that trouble you 
and would pervert the gospel of the Messiah. Yep. Some are out there perverting or changing the gospel of the Asha Messiah from some things you want to, those things you want to turn away, just like it says in 2 Timothy 3. You know, having a form of worship of Yahweh. Yeah, they got the names and the charts and all that stuff like that. But they're denying the power of Yahweh, which is what? Mm -hmm. The salvation. You want to turn away from those things. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, I, I'm fighting COVID at the moment. I'm doing okay. I, our, our dean is in the hospital. We're just laboring on. Last man standing. And these classes are exceedingly important. Do not give up. Keep going. Keep fighting to the last breath. Peace and love in Yahshua. I'm looking forward to listening to the next speaker. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Dr. Van Monsell. And our next speaker will be Dr. Janine Whitfield from our Detroit, Michigan class. Okay. Good evening. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Okay. I apologize. I got kicked off earlier and I couldn't get back on. Um, <laughs> And I'm a little out of breath. I thought I'd be in listening mode as usual, but that's okay. Um, oh, give me just a second. So, first off, I want to say that I am happy to be on this call with you guys. And I was also very happy to see many of you when we were in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh. Okay, so uh, let us continue on. Uh, I'm gonna just trying to get my bearings. I apologize. I was really caught off guard. So let's go. Let's start with John four and twenty four. Um, and I do want to say that this is a divine vision and revelation that was given to our founder, Dr. Henry, Henry Clifford Kinley. And Dr. Kinley said that. He had a divine vision and a divine revelation straight from the creator. And he said, don't take my word for it, but make me prove it. Now, that's extremely important in a world like we live in today. Uh, now, he also said that in the textbook, it said as well, that I paraphrase, if you're going to catch on, you have to be reasonable and have the ability to accept scientific proven facts and to be honest and fair. And those are the kinds of things that kind of struck me when I first came into this class. The other thing that I found fascinating in this teaching is how absolutely nothing escapes that pattern and that we are using the things of the creation in order to prove and support the fact that Dr. Kinley truly did have a divine vision and revelation. And we have tools at this school. We have the creation, the more perfect tabernacle, nature, our physical body, 
the scriptures, and certainly all the tools that Dr. Kinley himself left, transcripts, tapes, textbook, pamphlets. In essence, there is no excuse for us not to know. If we don't know after having sat under this teaching, if we don't believe after having sat under this teaching, what we are coming to realize now is that Yahweh from the very beginning of creation predestinated who would hear and who would not. Now, it's also a fact, and I've heard it said, I've said it myself, I believe it. You must have some help to believe this teaching. Even though it is the absolute best uh, uh, I mean, it makes so much sense. It's hard to understand how one person can see that if there's no J, there's no Jesus, there's no Jehovah, there's no Jew, and how another person can't see. And they sincerely can't see. So we are coming to understand more and more that Yahweh has an elect, and that the creation was declared from the very beginning or the end was declared from the very beginning. And there's many, many um, aspects of proof to show how the end is declared right from the beginning. But let's go ahead and start with John 4 and 24. Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Pause. Now that's important. In order to understand anything about our creator, we have to follow his direction. And it's said in John, by John, that Yahweh is spirit. And they that worship him must wor worship him in spirit and truth. Now, we don't, didn't really know what spirit was until we came into this teaching. We had an idea. Well, we really didn't know what spirit was or is. And spirit is the source, the substance, the limits, the bounds of all things. And it is also law, the law and eternity. That is what spirit is. So we're coming into the school to know something about the source, the substance. And in learning about what spirit really is, we're starting, we're starting to also learn and catch on to what and who we really are. Prior to that, we were just running around here, groping in darkness, doing our thing out in the world as best we can. So Knowing that Yahweh is spirit and knowing that if we're going to worship him, we we're, we're have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now we've got to learn something about the truth. Now, um, I want to just briefly go to John. I think that that's just my go to John one and one that talks a little bit about the unity of the spirit. 
which gives us a good idea of how man is also made in the image and likeness of his creator. Now, remember, one of the things I said when we first started is that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. So we have to get some idea about what it is that Yahweh has done as we are introduced to this to this gospel. And I don't even know why I'm going this way, but you know, Yahweh has a plan, not me. Um, but I will just ask really quickly, is there anybody on the call that's relatively new? Or are we pretty much, so, you know, everybody pretty, pretty much been here a while? Is there anybody new on the call? I don't think not, so. Not specifically, okay. no. Okay. All right. That's fine. So let's go ahead and get John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1. In yes. the beginning was the word. And if we could also please have the Moses chart as she's reading this. Thank you. All right. Go ahead and read, please. In the beginning was the word. Yes. And the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. So in the very beginning was the word. And that was not the Bible. So we got to keep in mind in the scriptures, we've got two beginnings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We'll explain that a little bit later. But right now we're talking about um, uh, Proverbs 8 and 22. And I think before you continue to read that, if somebody can get Proverbs 8 and 22, just for a second, just to establish, you know, what is it? that was in the beginning. If it's a word, in the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. Now mm -hmm. we learn in this teaching that Yahweh Elohim is the word or son. That is that Yahweh being pure spirit took on a shape and a form in part as Yahweh Elohim. And as it's been said, Yahweh went out of the creating business. So this Elohim, this Yahweh Elohim, which is the word or son, is what we're talking about that was in the beginning. And in order to, to understand a little bit more about that, we're going to have to get Proverbs 8 and 22. Yahweh Elohim possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. Yes. Great. Where there was no debt, where there were no depths, I was brought forth, where there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the earth was I brought forth. Okay, that's good enough. So we're just trying to establish that this word, this word was established before there was ever any physical creation. Okay, that's very important to understand. So this is the beginning. And this is describing this Godhead or this Eloistic form. In the beginning was the word, the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. We got to keep that in mind too. Go ahead and go back or to John, please. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, so we want to make sure we understand all things were made by him, and without him, we're talking about Yahweh Elohim. Remember, Yahweh, pure spirit, went out of the creating business. But these three 
are one. We just have to keep the unity of the spirit intact and try and demonstrate and show how it is that these uh, manifestations are operating and what their roles are in their operation. So we're talking Yahweh Elohim. Go ahead and read. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Okay, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So remember I said, we're made in his image and likeness. So the reason that we have light or that we have animation is because of Yahweh Elohim. Now go ahead and drop down to the 14th verse. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. All right. Now in that manifestation as Yahshua, the Messiah, the word being made flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh, but not sinful flesh, but in the likeness of it. I just got that. I saw that uh, when I was reading, I believe in a transcript, he was a specially prepared body a specially prepared body made to take the, the, the abuse, the, 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 the every, all of that persecution. You know, we just taste a fraction of it. But Yahshua the Messiah, now that's your creator in bodily form. And it's so important to recognize the unity of that spirit. Because when you recognize the unity of the spirit of the Godhead, then you can also see because we're made in the image and likeness of our creator and we are made by that pattern, we are spirit, soul, and body. And in that state and condition as spirit, soul, and body, there are many things that we are able to do and perform. Now, um, our physical bodies are a likeness. And what I'm trying to impress upon us is that when we start to learn something about the function and the uh, operation of our physical body, don't you know the whole purpose of Yahweh is wrapped up in that function and that anatomy and that physiology? For example, we have nine systems in our body and the makeup, the uh, description that makes up that Eloistic form are those nine divine attributes that take on a set shape and form. And that is a description that allows us to appreciate what we cannot see, because that's in that intermediate state. See, we have pure spirit or that or that uh, Yahweh pure spirit. We have Yahweh Elohim that can be seen in visions and in revelations. And then we have Yahweh as Yahshua, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit or ghost that can be appreciated once again in the physical. And we have so many witnesses in the earth plane 
that help us to understand how it is that the unity of the spirit and these three are one. So it's not just even our physical body being spirit, soul, and body. And keep in mind, if any one of those three are out of harmony, you're walking around here lopsided. So mm -hmm. we already know that the, the spirit man must be fed. He must be nourished. Or if he's malnourished, the result of that is what we see out in the world. Okay. So what we're looking at out in the world, the mental state and condition, especially since the pandemic, is on steroids now in terms of the, the just the brokenness of the man. See, really, technically, nothing wrong with the creation when you really think about it. The creatures got lots of problems. So the ideas that man has, once again, about we got to fix this, we got to fix that, is so vain in his mind to think that he's going to fix the creation that he did not create. And so you see that manifested in so many different ways. And what that is, is that is a malnourished soul or spirit. That soul is that intermediate state. And the idea and the mission of Yahshua the Messiah was to redeem the sons back unto the Father. And it's important to recognize that he had a mission and his mission really and truly was. Just like the previous speaker was talking about Paul and Paul persecuting in his ignorance and in his vanity and the vanity of his mind. But in his mind, he thought that he was zealous doing the things he was fighting for, you know, uh, the way in which tradition had taught him. So in his mind, he's right. It's just like, so that's why I said you have to have some help to disbelieve or believe this. Now, it's hard sometimes to recognize or to believe that a creator, our creator, would make such a distinction. But he left nothing to chance. That's why we have no excuse. So when you think about, for example, how in Romans, and I think we're going to have to get it, um, let, I think it's in Rome. Is it the ninth chapter? We talk about the potter and the, and the clay. And he talks about uh, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated and neither of them were born yet. You're talking about when Yahweh Elohim created the days of creation, everything starts with a division. You're talking about Yahweh demonstrating uh through the ages and dispensations, a righteous lineage and an unrighteous lineage. So you're seeing when we, when you're taught under this vision and revelation, and when you're using the principles that have been laid out on these charts, and when you follow the vision and revelation as it was prescribed, as opposed to trying to make up something, you will find that we have so much that we still haven't even tapped into yet. Just, just when you think about it, eschatology, for example, 
we're in our learning live class, you know, we invited Dr. Will Williams and he's, we're going through the fourth volume of the textbook. See, so we are going over these things that we think we know and we're learning more perfectly the things that we thought we knew. Uh, and that's taking the natural to understand the spiritual because as you're growing and learning, even in kindergarten, you're, you know, you're this building blocks, you're building, you're building on the knowledge that you've learned from the basics. So it's building. And we're told you never graduate from this school of highest learning because there's many things that we're yet learning. And keep in mind that even as we have been learning and as we continue to learn, we still have our own baggage and garbage that has to be eradicated, kicked out, cleaned up, and all of that. See, those things are important too. And, you know, sometimes I just <laughs> be transparent and be honest. <laughs> um, I don't like to be wrong. And sometimes when you're zealous for something, you make mistakes, you know? Now, I don't want to be branded as somebody who is, uh, you know, they don't know what they're talking She doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, she said this wrong. She said that wrong. Listen, I want to say it. Make this proclamation right here and now. If I say anything that's out of order, please understand and know that it is either because of my ignorance or because I think I know and I don't. But I want you to feel invited and very free to correct me because I accept chastisement because I'm not a bastard. You understand? So I'm saying that this is important. And as a family, hopefully these are the things that we know or we have caught on to that as a family, there's always going to be some kind of discord. You know, there's always going to be some kind of misunderstanding. And it's just because of our own ignorance. We're not quite there yet, but we're learning all the time and every day. All right, I went that way for a minute, but let's go back for a second and let's get that scripture in Romans that talks about um, Yahweh or the potter where it says, who are you? Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's in yes, Romans. Yes, that was Romans 9, 21. Okay, let's well, actually sure start at 20, up. please. Yes, yeah. thank you. Romans 9.20, nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against Yahweh? Okay, I think we need to go up a little bit higher. Okay. Uh, uh, Romans, I'm finding it in my scripture, scripture okay. too. Uh, I'm going to say, let's go. Uh, All right, I think we should start at... Uh, where we, we're talking about the children, mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's 11. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of Yahweh Elohim according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Now that's a privilege. My goodness, we have to be able to understand that we are privileged that he called us. It certainly ain't because of nothing we did so that his election might stand accord, not according to works, but because of him that call it. Read. It was said unto her, 
the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now that's harsh. I mean, think about it. This just is, it's written. And we can go and find where it is written because we're reading right now in the, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, not the biography, but the, uh, the letters of Paul or the letters to the Romans. But you go back and you'll find that in, um, in the uh, prophets. I'm pretty sure I don't have a letter reference here, but I want to keep moving. So hopefully um, you can check it out on your own. Go ahead and read. 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with Yahweh? Yahweh I mean, just think about it. Is there unrighteousness with Yahweh? These are questions that I've asked because he, after all, he did create the devil. And I had to get a correction on that because, you know, I at one point said that these Yahweh's two sons, but uh, the satanic spirit is not Yahweh Elohim's son. He is the son of perdition. And perdition is not a a man. <laughs> it's a principle. It's destruction. It's death. That is who he is the son of. Go ahead and read. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So yeah. then, so then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of Yahweh Elohim that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Okay, so as we are learning, the more we learn about this vision and revelation, the more we start to understand that our creator really and truly does have a purpose. Remember, I said at the very beginning, when he divided the light from the day, the whole creation comes in through this process of division and dividing. And yet, when you think about an electrical current and what it takes to get light, you need a negative and a positive. So it's it's, it's reasonable that Yahweh has a desired purpose in mind in creating the negative element as we have come to know him as a satanic spirit, which is a ministering spirit too. We got to remember that. See, the, 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 the creature enters through your thoughts. That's where you see him doing his operation. Okay, go ahead and read. I want to get down to... Uh, where he says, who are you that reply is? 18, therefore, hath he mercy on whom he have mercy, will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Yes. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against Yahweh? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast, hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Great. What if Yahweh, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Now you got vessels of wrath that are fitted for that specific purpose for destruction and we get it in our minds that that can't be god would never 
That's our problem. See, instead of us learning Yahweh, the first aim to help us find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. See, people want to find and know God as I exist, as they exist in their own mind, instead of how he really is and actually exists. Get in line, Girl Scout. That's what we have to do. We have to be obedient and willing and have a heart. And that heart is what Yahweh gave to us. Now, somebody might say, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to pass the baton. Some might say, well, uh, if Yahweh have mercy on who he have mercy on, what about all those people who are lost? That's not for you to worry about, because if you hear, you got a chance and all have a chance because he's not willing that any should perish. So don't go trying to make Yahweh out to be the bad guy, you know, just because you are saying or thinking, well, what about all those people who've never heard about it? Worry about you. Make your election short. Examine yourself. Stand on your own two feet. And be, as the previous speaker said, uh, uh, thoughtful and careful and a brother to your brother. Your brother first in class, but unto mankind in general. Because that is the spirit, the kind of spirit that our father has put in us. And that is the spirit of Yahshua Messiah. So last thing I want to say, I had this question. I had this question, understanding pure spirit being that crown, you know, and those attributes. I didn't get into that, but maybe next time. But that wisdom, intelligence, and knowledge being that crown. And then, you know, that next triad of beauty, love, and or love, beauty, and justice, that intermediate representing the soul. And I had the question. I wonder, in the new earth state, does the soul have an identity? How else, and I, this was pondering, me pondering, I'm putting it out there because I wonder, and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel and I'm not ashamed of the thoughts and the questions that are raised in me. But I wondered that because if we are to be admired, uh, admired, and I believe that's in, uh, oh gosh, I don't know where it is, in Corinthians, um, you know, how is that? And I, I think that I'm overthinking it, but it was also shared to me that you now have the mind of the Messiah. Well, what is that? Go right back to the attributes, because that's what that's all about. It is the principles that are taking on shape and form within our soul that restores us at, the, at, the, at that right time of that glorification that is returning us back to the Father. And with that, I will pass the baton and I thank you again for the opportunity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Whitfield. And our third speaker will be the president of our Oceanside class, Dr. Carl Emler.
Well, good evening, everyone. Um, I sat here listening to both speakers and thought to myself, boy, I hope I don't have to get up after that. <laughs> <laughs> on one hand, but on the other hand, um, there was so much said that um, it inspired me uh, uh, and has been inspiring me over this past week, really. I woke up Friday morning around 5, 5.30, and I always lay in bed in the dark room and just think about something. Yahweh brings something to my mind, and uh, he inspired me to read the Book of Romans. I got up out of bed and decided that I needed to read the Book of Romans. And I needed to read it because I wanted to understand um, how is it that we in this class uh, have the blessing of the Holy Spirit and the curse of the body. Um, Janine put a lot of meat on the plate. Uh, she asked, of course, if there were any new people and there aren't in the classic way that we uh, identify new people. But um, in a more realistic way that we identify new people, there's a whole lot of new people in class right now, in this class, and including myself in that um, for those things that I yet struggle trying to understand, I am a new person uh, learning for the first time. And for those things that Yahweh has revealed to me, I am, uh, I can only say it this way, uh, a teacher and an adult in that understanding. Um, I think it's, uh, what is it, 33 and 6, Isaiah 33 and 6, try that. Am I still on? Yes. Okay. yes. Isaiah 33 and 6, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation, for the fear of Yahweh is his treasure. So uh, this is uh, a prophecy. This is what shall be. And Janine ended talking about these attributes and our identity, if you will, in the next age. And Dr. Kinley kind of, kind of addressed that uh, <laughs> uh, in a sense that um, and I was in a room when someone asked him, it was Billy Carroll, actually, who asked him, you know, in the next age, will we know each other like I know Bobby Sikelsky? Uh, and Bobby was there. And it was just a discussion in 1971, I think, when we were all down there for the 71 convention. And Billy asked this question to Dr. Kinley up in his apartment. You know, will we know each other? Will we 
recognize each other. And of course, Billy's thinking, you know, here I have my brethren right here with me and I uh, love him and appreciate him. And I wouldn't want to go into the next age and then lose that, that I know now um, uh, because there's also some scripture with respect to, you know, we won't, know all the trials and tribulations we had in this age. And so we won't have any of the regrets or any of that kind of stuff. So that will not be brought to our remembrance. And so Billy's wondering, well, will something be brought to our remembrance with respect to the, the positive things that we um, experience with each other? Will I know Bobby? And Dr. Kinley's response to him was, you don't know him now. Mm-hmm. And you have to let that sink, really, because in that, um, we are new people. For us looking at each other as individual entities and not seeing the body that we are, that we make up, um, And we only glimpse that, as Paul might say, look through a glass darkly. But in this next age, this body that we will make up, we will be far more aware of uh, our place in that body. Uh, Let me say it like this. Do you know your brothers and sisters and your mother and father? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your family. You know them better than anybody else. You were raised with them. And even though uh, you consider yourself a separate entity, I mean, I was raised with two brothers, so there were five in our family, and we were a crew, and we were a unit and got into trouble all together as, you know, the kids against the parents, the whole thing. We, we had our own identities, but we were all Emlers. We were all family. There was no difference when it came to who we were as a family. We were Emlers. And that's just a manifestation of being able to have an I quote an identity, but not be separate because we are family. And that bond of family uh, is greater than any individual in the family. It, it, it is uh, the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts in that sense and family. And right now, both my parents have passed, my younger brother's passed. It's just me and my older brother from a natural standpoint, but I have not lost that sense of family and the presence and the experience of those who have gone behind me because they are still fresh within me. And that's a manifestation of an experience that you can expect to have in the next age. Um, It's not that you're going to, in this age, really be able to appreciate it like you can go up and touch someone and hug someone, but you can know for an assurity because in Romans 1, 19 and 20, Yahweh has made this purpose such that 
The physical things reveal invisible things. That's what he's done. He's made the purpose to do that. And we can count on these uh, uh, understandings, these invisible things, and these invisible things are spiritual things, and therefore they are eternal things. And so the familyhood that we experience in being amongst each other, and we just came back from Dallas, and um, there was a, a, a vibe that I experienced in, in Dallas of family people who I knew very little, people I see once every five years, if if that were as though, because they were my brothers and sisters and was happy to not only see them, but uh, experience what we have in common as family. And it was a very real experience, uh, even though we were separate entities. But in that, we were appreciating the spiritual aspects of uh, this creation and this purpose. We were family in that. And that will be, that will remain. You're not going to see a bald headed bearded guy in the next age, but you will see whatever it is that you identified within this vessel or what I identified in that vessel, that will, that will be not only brought forth through that veil, but it will be intensified with respect to the recognition of the operation of these spiritual attributes that is Yahweh. Now, I really didn't want to go all the way over there, but there you have it. I want to get back to something far more simple because I had in mind uh, that the simplicity of this gospel, the very basic nature of this gospel is the thing that binds us. Those things that when we speak them, we can all agree that we have a common, uh, simple, safe understanding of what they are. And that binds us together as a body. And as Janine spoke, that there are questions. uh, Joined a crowd. I got a bag full of questions. uh, And every question tells me that I don't understand something. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a question. Uh, but every question is also an opportunity for Yahweh to reveal something about his purpose, uh, his spirit, his nature, uh, personally and directly uh, in your soul. Reveal it in your soul um, so that it becomes real. And when we use all of these terms that we talk about, real and predestination and pattern and all of these things, um, none of the things that we say can be boiled down to the Webster's dictionary definition. Each one of these uh, ideas and terms and things that we discuss have a, uh, an eternal reality in the spirit uh, 
that the flesh is only struggling to, to, to reveal. Uh, uh, Dr. Kinley, when he spoke, you know, we sometimes go, well, but did he mean that in the spirit or did he mean that in the flesh? <laughs> and he had a divine vision and revelation of for a panoramic divine vision and revelation from beginning to end. And he described that revelation as that Yahshua just stepped. Now, listen, Yahshua just stepped into him into that body, as he would say. And even all these words are difficult to, to grasp and hold on to and follow through. But Yahshua stepped into that body and there was no more a Henry Clifford Kinley. Now, that's the founder of uh, this school. Uh, and I'm talking now about that uh, spirit that uh, it was in him is the founder of this school. And now let's look at, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Um, I'm keeping an eye on the clock. Uh, uh, this school was founded in such a way that it has a constitution. And in the constitution, it allows for anything to be said from the floor and it uh, states openly that you are not obligated to believe anything that's said from the floor. Right. And so there is no doctrine of the IDMR. The IDMR is a format to present the vision and revelation uh, that the founder had. And this is what he said in uh, one of these SoundCloud tapes. He said that what he wanted to do was to be able to go into these churches and preach this gospel into these churches. But because the churches would not let him come in and preach the, the, this gospel, that he had to set up the IDMR so he could preach the gospel. That is the purpose of the IDMR. The IDMR is not the body of Yahshua. It's not a righteous organization or an unrighteous organization. It is a format. Uh, within which uh, the vision and revelation can be explained to the world. Now, uh, Janine went over into uh, John 4.24 and John, uh, the first chapter, John 1 and 1 and John 1.14. And I want to continue on in this. I want to still talk a little bit about Paul. Um, Paul uh, let me just do Paul for a minute, because I know time is going to be gone. No matter how much time I had, it would be gone. Um, so Paul, uh, on the road to Damascus, and uh, 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 Lionel worked with this, uh, how uh, he was uh, out persecuting. The, the, so this is how this is predestination also. Uh, because there's a flavor of predestination that I hope I have a chance to get to. Um, in other words, the value of predestination. We don't often think of the value of predestination other than, wow, I'm going to be saved and I don't have to worry about it or however. But there is a, an intrinsic spiritual value to the fact that this purpose is predestined and not just up for choice up for up for 
whatever. Uh, and I hope I can get to that just a little bit. But in order to do that, I got to talk about Paul and then maybe pull some stuff about spirit. So getting back to Paul and on the road to Damascus, and, and I'm just going to quote a lot of things. I'll, I'll paraphrase them, etc. Um, just for the sake of time. But uh, uh, he has a vision of Yahshua and Yahshua says, Paul, why do you kick against the pricks? And this is something that came to me on Friday when I was reading Romans and reading it with respect to who wrote Romans. Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the, the scriptures inside and out. Uh, he, uh, uh, he says someplace that as pertaining to the law, he was perfect. Um, so uh, he knew what was in the law and the prophets. He also knew what the high priests and the, the other Pharisees were teaching him about the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. So you have a man who knows the law and the prophets and the scriptures. Clearly, uh, 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 that thing about the potter's clay, I think, is in Isaiah 29. Uh, I went and went, read that on Friday in Isaiah because of this very situation with respect to the unique position that Paul is in. Paul is someone who knows the law and the prophets. And if you remember, uh, the uh, was it Philip who found Nathaniel and said, uh, we found him who Moses in the law and the prophets did right, Yahshua, the Messiah of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Philip did not was not reading the scriptures. Philip, the only way Philip knew anything at all about what was in the law and the prophets was it was attending temple. And at the times when they would read the law and the prophets, and he was attentive to that, that's the only way they knew it. They didn't have books to read. They didn't have a Bible to read. They could probably, Philip probably couldn't even read. I don't know. Uh, these are just normal everyday humans 2000 years ago, but they were Jews. And they were instructed, and it was Yahweh's purpose back there in uh, uh, Deuteronomy that the Levitical priesthood would rehearse these things. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the hearing of the people. And this is predestined. Yahweh predetermined that Philip would understand something about the prophecies of the Messiah by going to temple so that he could make this statement for our benefit. We found him who Moses in the law and the prophets did right. Because when you go into Christianity, uh, I was a Lutheran and the Roman Catholics will tell you this. They do not go into the law and prophets and show you how Yahshua fulfilled anything. They don't explain to you the only place they ever go, if they go any place at all, is there's no calmliness about them because they just can't miss that scripture, wherever it is. And uh, what is it? Isaiah. In Isaiah. They can't miss that, you know, and so they quote that, but they don't know anything at all about how uh, uh, Yahshua was made manifest through Israel coming up out of Egypt and uh, all of the workings for those 40 years and the visions given to Moses and Joshua, the son of Nun, bringing them over into Canaan's land and that tabernacle being up on the mountain and going into, they don't know how any of that shows forth uh, uh, Yahshua, the Messiah. But Paul, 
knew those scriptures. He knew the story of Exodus. He knew Isaiah and the potter's clay before he had a vision and revelation. He knew the scriptures. And so he's got the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the high priest pumping him with an erroneous interpretation of what he knew, which was the scriptures. And then he stood uh, at the uh, stoning of Stephen, and Stephen took the very scriptures that Paul knew and gave him a lesson in the reality behind how those scriptures pointed out Yahshua the Messiah. And Paul was conflicted about that. And yet he was still uh, 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 committed to uh, those high priests. He was committed to the authorities of the time. And so he was still going about to get these uh, uh, Yashuans uh, crucified. But he was conflicted after Stephen preached the gospel to him because he knew the scriptures were not misinterpreted by Stephen. And yet now he's got, uh, is Stephen right? Is Gamaliel right? But I've been doing the Gamaliel thing all my life. How can Stephen, this uh, just guy, uh, be more correct about these scriptures than Gamaliel? He was conflicted about this thing. And so now he gets a vision from Joshua, and Joshua goes, <laughs> he goes, Paul. Why are you kicking against the pricks? You know the scriptures. You can't deny what you know. And Stephen is in agreement with what you know, and Gamaliel is not. And this is what turned uh, 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 Paul around. And Yahweh made Paul to be in the position he was in, schooled him, brought him up as a Pharisee, gave him the law and the prophets, so that when Stephen presented it to him in the context of the Messiah, uh, he was dead meat. There was the end of Paul. He didn't know it at the time, but it was the end of Paul. Just like uh, when uh, we were schooled in the law and the prophets, we as Gentiles had to be schooled in the law and the prophets before someone could straighten out the law and prophets to us. I, we didn't, as I said, we didn't read Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel and Lutheran catechism class, and neither did you in, in uh, Roman Catholic catechism class. You understand? Uh, we came into this class and someone taught us about these scriptures. We never looked at Moses. At a, I, I didn't, nobody knew what a tabernacle was. You know, Mormon tabernacle choir. And here yet and still the tabernacle is a reflection of the actual body of your creator. And it is uh, a pattern that dictates everything in the universe. And it takes a long time to grasp that and to get that thing under your belt, just the significance of that. But mind you, that is the expression of predetermination, that pattern. Look, at you use a pattern and a recipe so the outcome is exactly what you want. There's no mistakes in it. There's no bad ingredients in it. There's no crooked angles in the house. You follow that pattern and you get exactly what you want. And, and, and Yahweh 
brought forth this creation in order to get exactly what he wants. And what he wants are, uh, uh, use this term, uh, and I don't mean it in the way that it sounds, but he wants replicas of himself. In other words, because he is, he is uh, God. He, there's no other creator beside him. He is what is real. And he wants more of that. And uh, uh, Greg, give me that uh, uh, elementary chart with the circles on it real quick. Because, thank you. So this uh, 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 top of this chart, uh, uh, at the beginning of this chart, it, go, it says it's the pattern or plan of salvation. And there's only, there's only salvation in, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. But Yahshua the Messiah means Yahweh is salvation. So it's pointing back to the Father, Yahweh, who is salvation. But the struggle that we have, uh, oh gosh, do me uh, uh, John one eighteen real quick. Someone's got it. Um, John 1.18, no man hath seen Yahweh at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. So there's the problem is that no man has seen Yahweh at any time. And anyone wants to say they saw God, you, you better put, bring those right to this right there. No man has seen God or Yahweh at any time. And they're confused because everyone says they saw God and Moses and 70 elders saw God. And so now they're confused. But what uh, has been straightened out as far as the understanding of the operation of the Godhead is by Paul. Paul straightens us out about this in the 17th chapter of Acts uh, uh, when he's at Mars Hill. And he says this, he says that, uh, Yahweh is, is spirit, and you live, you move, and you have your being right within him, which makes it impossible for you to get outside of him to see him. So by default, you've never seen spirit, Yahweh, but Yahweh has a, 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 a fix for that because, and it's over there in, 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 in uh, 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 8 and 22 of what is it, Proverbs 8 and 22, that what Yahweh did was that Yahweh manifested himself in a shape and form that could be seen. And that's Yahshua or Yahweh Elohim. Elohim is a title for Yahweh, but the name of Yahweh Elohim is Yahshua. And that's the salvation of Yahweh. And in this case, salvation is an understanding of the reality of existence, which is those attributes in a shape and form. And so that's the pattern, the very beginning of the pattern. And you know that that's the purpose, the purpose. Remember, we're talking about predestination and the purpose is a is a, 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 a an expression of salvation. And because salvation was brought forth in that pattern or in that body right at the beginning, and it dictates everything, then therefore everything is predetermined uh, because it goes according to the pattern. Now, there's 
Now, the substance of that kind of predestination is that we live predestination because everything we do goes according to that pattern. And the outcome of that pattern is salvation. And look at when you run through the day of atonement, oh gosh, when you run through the day of atonement through that pattern uh, in the wilderness of Sinai, once a year, the outcome was that Israel's sins were forgiven uh, because of the death of the lamb that was offered up or the sacrifices offered up in that tabernacle, innocent sacrifices, mind you, not uh, uh, totally, totally different from our, the state of our souls and, or our beings, but these were innocent sacrifices and therefore uh, uh, salvation or their sins, Israel's sins in the wilderness of Sinai were forgiven every year. Salvation was come, was, was, was brought. And you know what happened when their sins were forgiven? They were not killed. They were not stoned to death, which was the, the, the product of, committing a sin, you uh, if you broke one, you broke them all, and the penalty was death. They were saved from that. So look at, so here's the nuance of predestination. Predestination is a way whereby Yahweh can bring forth a creation, manifest a creation, and the outcome of this creation would be life, not death. Because the operation of that pattern, the purpose of that pattern is to bring forth life and to save you from death. So predestination is not some carnal concept of, oh, we made this uh, uh, plan up there and now everyone's little puppets on a string and that just doesn't seem right. We ought to be able to do something. Whereas the reality is that the fact that Yahweh has set this purpose in motion uh, uh, declaring the end from the beginning is in f- to our favor because it means that uh, we are guaranteed that we have a father and a mother, if I can put it like that, because Yahweh is both masculine and feminine. We have a father and mother who's going to look after their kids like crazy and make sure that, yeah, they're going to get into trouble. They're going to get beat up. They're going to fall. They're going to do all this kind of stuff. But in each case, whatever they do, they've learned something from that. Don't touch that stove again. Look at your fingers going to be red now for another three weeks. You understand? And everything that happens to us causes us to to grow in our understanding and to learn and appreciate spirit and Yahweh more. And so therefore, predestination has a positive effect in real time. It's not something that happened in the past. And the simplicity of that is there's no time in the past for it to happen in the past when the purpose was brought forth. It was brought forth in eternity when there is no time. And these are mysteries that uh, uh, have uh, um, uh, worried mankind. I was uh, reading a novel by Huxley this past week, where it was critical of Christianity. One of the things it was critical about was predestination, how, you know, how insane that is and and all that. And so predestination has been an issue as far as man can, can take Christianity or the Bible back because it just doesn't seem fair because they don't understand the relationship of the creator and his creation. But you certainly understand the the, the relationship of your parents and you. 
because I don't know about you, but my mother would not let anything bad happen to us if it was within her power. She uh, watched over her kids and uh, protected them and did everything she they could and worried about us when we became adults and continued to worry that now that we were on our own, are we going to get into trouble? Then never let go, never let go. And Yahweh has never let go of us uh, down through this ages and dispensations. And so on the top of this chart, because uh, I'm killing myself with time here, you see Yahweh bringing forth these children uh, at the end there, the, the, the increase. And this is this whole purpose is to bring forth this increase. And in order to do it, um, he had to, uh, in order to do it so that uh, every, that, that his increase, his children were protected all the way, he made sure he planned it right from the start. But in order to get this increase, he had to take that spirit that is his and bring it through spiritual experience in a physical or an angelic creation. In other words, the things with the, the physical things reveal the invisible things. And we experience things in the flesh, but there are invisible uh, 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 principles behind each one of them. Now, uh, getting back to, uh, you can go back to the Moses chart now, Greg. Getting back to uh, this idea of Paul um, uh, on the road to Damascus and having this conflict set up because he knows the truth and then, uh, uh, recognizing how we preach this gospel and it's in simplicity. And so I want to just do this. Uh, I, there's a couple of places to do it. Uh, uh and I've got five minutes, so I'm going to do the baptism. I'd love to do the name Yahshua. Uh, I'll just throw this out. An angel gives Joseph the name Yahshua. And so anybody who says, well, it doesn't matter what you call him, take that up with an angel. Don't come to my face about that. And, 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 if, and if your name came to your parents by an angel, there's no way you change your name for anybody because it didn't come just as the whim of your parents like this movie actor and they called you John for John Wayne or something, but an angel that expresses a purpose, Yahweh is salvation, brought that name. And that's why there's no other name given among men whereby man must be saved. Not uh, just because it's an arbitrary name, but to change the name Yahshua to Jesus and say, well, Jesus is okay by me. What you're saying is that angel brought an arbitrary name to Joseph. And it's just foolishness. It's just absolute foolishness. And anybody with a lick of sense wouldn't uh, uh, disagree with that. But now let's do the baptism real quick. I need to go over to the third chapter. Is it third chapter of Matthew? Yeah. And I, what I want uh, is I want to start where there is one before me whose uh, shoes I'm not worthy. He will baptize with fire. I want to pick that train of thought up. I'm going to have to get there. Good. Sharon, can you do that for me? Are you there at all? Yes, I am. All right. I indeed baptize you with water. Yeah. yeah. Eleven. Um, is there uh, 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 is there a best way, best place for that, or if that's the best place? That I think that's it. Eleven. All right, go for it, Sharon. Go. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, 
But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, so this is um, uh, before we read this before we read of the Messiah coming to John. Isn't that correct? Right. All right. This is and this, all of this is important because the simplicity is there. You were at 11, right? Uh, uh, um, yes. Uh, oh, I can't. We, can, we need to read the whole thing. There isn't time. But the, the important thing here is he makes this statement to the people that he's baptizing that there's going to be this other guy who's going to come and he's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and with the fire. He uses the term baptism. He goes, I baptize you in water. But right. someone else is going to come who's going to baptize you in fire and the Holy Spirit. So it is obvious. Only an idiot would say that the word baptism means water baptism. Right, right at the baptism, it tells you that baptism doesn't mean water baptism. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? This is the simplicity of this gospel that we can all agree on, the very basics of it. And if you present this to a, uh, an individual and they say, well, baptism means water baptism. When you present this to them, then they are, they are willfully ignorant of the very simplicity that we are trying to explain and uh, what was revealed to them. And Dr. Kinley was water baptizing everyone. And he read this about this baptism versus that baptism, but it never occurred to him that when the Messiah was being water baptized, that he wasn't instituting water baptism. He was fulfilling it. Why? Because what he was going to institute was the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit, which you get on the day of Pentecost. That's what he's bringing forth. But in order to bring forth a spiritual baptism, he's got to get rid of a natural physical example or manifestation, this water baptism. So when he goes to John, this is a baptism of repentance. And so Yahshua, the Messiah, was the only uh, uh, physical uh, being, if you will, vessel that had not sinned. And so when he goes to this baptism of repentance, uh, and it's clear, you can, you can point it out, it's a baptism of repentance. You sin, you repent, I get you wet. It's just so simple uh, that you have to be willfully ignorant in order to say, I don't see that. It's just that simple. And that's this whole gospel is going to uh, boil down to simplicity like that. Even these most difficult things to understand, you understand? So anyways, comes to John, uh, he said, have you sinned? And Yahshua goes, no. Then John goes, well, then I have need to be baptized of you and you're coming to me. You should ask, why did John make that statement? And then you have to go back to the repentance. You have to go back to the declaration of sin that the Israelites gave to John. And so therefore he put him in water. And so he's, you know, he's got to ask the Messiah that question. And the Messiah must be honest and answer, I haven't sinned. To set up his next statement, John suffered to be so now. Let's do this now so that we can finish this nonsense of this physical water baptism and get to the one you already prophesied about of baptism and fire in the Holy Spirit. So right. he has to say, I know I've got half a second here. 
He has to say fulfill, not institute. And that nails all of Christianity because it is required for you to believe in water baptism in order to not be a heretic. And I'm sorry, uh, I'm over and I appreciate your time. I hope you guys got something out of that. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. We'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And at this time, I'd like to ask the class to stay muted until the live stream has ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.